the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get the breaking news, powerful stories, podcasts, live commentary, the works, than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, get ad-free exclusive content. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off that first year subscription today. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Giannetti. Not so thrilling weekend, but certainly storylines, <laughs> you know, beginning with a possible retirement, the Chiefs collapse, the Rams get it done after basically going all in. Certainly the focus of what I'm going to talk about in the next couple of minutes here. I'm going to do a Monday six pack to kick this thing off, bounce around the sports world a little bit, notably football, but I got a couple of other uh, wrinkles in there. So we'll get through the six and then Greg Almond from The Athletic. Speaking of possible retirements, this was recorded Friday. <laughs> um, we mentioned that there would be a possibility of Brady retiring. Uh, I think Greg is on the fence still to this day, to this minute, about the whole process because, quite frankly, nobody in Tampa Bay close to this team or the team or the coach have heard a thing about this. And that's probably calculated, whether it's yes or no. So we all have to back off this one right now. And the segment I did with Greg was about the bit, the, bang, the Buccaneers offseason. And, you know, I alluded to the fact that there could be a with Brady or without Brady situation. So there's plenty of nuggets in there on, on Godwin and Evans and Gronk and, you know, honestly, a gigantic list, which I tweeted out Friday of basically this, you know, a half the starting lineup <laughs> is up for free agency and a few more up for new contracts. So there's a lot to talk about with this team, starting with the quarterback position, but certainly trickling through the rest of that roster. So Greg and I kind of dive through a bunch of those names and a bunch of those numbers in the back end of this show. But first, I have to start with Brady because once the news broke, a lot of things started to fly around. Obviously, you know, all the accolades, all the goats, all the whatever. So that's going to come when it's time. Again, there's no need, reason not to do that. The numbers are insane. And I can, I'm here for all of them, by the way. You know, sitting in Buffalo, I'm supposed to hate this guy. I've had plenty of times to hate what I saw, but I don't know how you don't appreciate what, what this guy has done, continues to do, and did in his final year. And that's really where my focus was. With like The contract this guy's leaving, A, he just made the biggest salary he's ever made in his life, 29.9, ever. And it's really not even close. The last two years have been the top salaries for Tom Brady, ever in 22 seasons. And you can say that's calculated. He took, he took less in New England. Yep, he did. He sure as hell did. There was only one point in time in his career where he was the highest average paid player in football. One. It was forever ago. It was like 18 million. It was back when salaries were basically tempered and quarterbacks and wide receivers and edge rushers kind of all made the same thing. That's not the case anymore. And the fact that he made 29 million last year and threw for 5,000 yards and all the, all the touchdowns and, you know, nearly got into the NFC championship game again at age 44 and only made 29 million, you can say that's about half wrong. So, I mean, when you start to think about where these salaries are going and you look at, you know, Mahomes yesterday and we know what he's making, Josh Allen now, we know, we know what he's making. Dak is way up there. Deshaun's way up there. And now we start to think about where Burrow is going to be in a year and a half, where Herbert could be in a year and a half. Uh, you know, Lamar still needs to get paid, I believe, at some faction here. We're, we're going to be at 50 soon, very soon. 
and that's not slowing down. It's not slowing down. So it's insane what Brady's done financially speaking uh, in terms of the bang for buck, right? I mean, I don't think we're ha- we'll have a better version of bang for buck in the history of this sport ever over 20 years, certainly. But I have to speak to my tweet because I pushed a tweet out there. Basically what I did is, and I do this with every single player who has some sort of condition or situation in their contract where a release, a trade, a retirement, a trigger is in place. This is not specifically a trigger that I tweeted out about Tom Brady. And I want to clear that up off the top here. All right. His signing bonus, and this happens with most players, by the way, including rookies. There's a lot of times where, you know, if it's a $40 million signing bonus up front, there's deferred payment. We'll give you eight now. We'll give you 12 next year. We'll give you 12. You know, that happens a lot in most sports. And I do my best to track down those those specific payment dates so that I can allocate the proper cash to each year, um, which, we'll, which we've done with Brady here. Brady only made $5 million of that signing bonus last year. It was a $20 million bonus that was given to him contractually last March when he signed that extension. He made five last year. There's 15 more left, which will be paid February 4th. Here's why I tweeted what I tweeted. It's not a new bonus. It's not a bonus he has to be on the roster to get. He's already earned it. It's a signing bonus from the original contract signing last year. But here's what matters to me. And here's where I'm going to get pushback from a lot of people. I bet if I Googled it right now, there's people killing me for this. But I'm telling you, this is why I say this. I've seen it too many times. I've seen it with big baseball salaries, with guys who are either having issues or considering retirement. And I've seen it a lot with football, with, with contentious situations. Now, this isn't contentious, okay? Tom Brady is, if he's leaving, he's leaving about as good as you can get. But because he's leaving with a signing bonus proration that goes out four more years because of the void years, the Buccaneers have the option, the right, the contractual right to recoup $16 million of this signing bonus. They can go to Brady and, the, and his agent and say, we need to work through this and I need to get ba- I, we need to get back $16 million. Here's why I tweeted what I tweeted. And I've heard this from so many agents who I've interviewed, who I've talked to, had beers with. It is a hell of a lot easier for a team to take back money that has not been paid than it is get go to so, go to a player and say, "We need you to take this out of your bank account and pay it back to us for at 4 million a year over the next 4 years." It's a hell of a lot easier. There's less arbitration. There's less lawyers. There's less po- you know, pandering. It's a hell of a lot easier. So the, re- the reason I said what I said is, my guess is, and I'm not saying Brady's trying to nickel and dime the Buccaneers, but $15 million is $15 million. And I think there's a very, very good chance. And by the way, a lot of the people in Tampa Bay do not agree with me. A lot of the people think that the, the Buccaneers will recoup this signing bonus. They do want the three, four million of, of cap savings over the next couple of seasons. They want to go that route. They want to do, to do the right thing here. I'm not sure. All right. We've seen these gifts given off too much now. And this guy came into town, chose your team and gave you a Super Bowl in year one. It's, this is the situation right here where you give this guy the gift. You just say, take the bonus, go home, go off into the sunset, pay us back with some marketing stuff, you know, do some work with us. I, I think there's a very good chance of that. Now I'm, I'm I could be very wrong. And there's a very good chance that the Buccaneers never pay that $15 million payment in, in four days. And that they, you know, ask either ask for another million dollars or say 15 is fine. Let's call it there. That seems possible from the team standpoint. 
but I'm, I'm here to say, I don't think it's likely. And I think Brady and his camp are saying, look, we just want that payment to come to us. And then if we have to pay it back, eventually we will. But look, Google Peyton Manning and his earnings and listen to a few interviews of, of, of why he did the contracts he did over the years. Because there's a second life to him. Obviously, he's everywhere and he's trying to buy a freaking franchise or at least be a part owner of it. Potentially this Denver Broncos situation, literally as we speak. These guys are thinking in billions, not in millions. So when you're talking about Tom Brady and his $80 t-shirt company and you know his ridiculous food line and, and nutrition line and the TB12 situation, yeah, he's got money coming up the ears, out the wazoo, everywhere you can look. But these guys are, th- are not thinking million-dollar estates. These guys are thinking billion-dollar sports franchises, major companies, crypto. These guys are way up in the stratosphere with you know, some very, very, very exclusive people. So yeah, $15 million is $15 million. And if he has to pay it back, he's going to pay it back. There's going to be no BS there. But the, that's the reason I put it out is, again, I've had so many agents tell me, Get the money in your account and then deal with it later. That's February 4th. That's all that was. All right, moving on. Rafael Nadal, speaking of old guys doing incredible things, beats the kid, 10 years is younger, wins the Australian Open. It's win number 21 in terms of major championships, which is a new record for now, passing Djokovic and Federer. He's still third in terms of earnings, though, all time, Rafael Nadal. He gets $2 million for the win yesterday. His, his career earnings on the court now up to $127 million, which I said is handedly third. I believe it's more than double between third and fourth now. But he's now closing in on Federer. He's, he's $3.4 million away from Federer, who's number two. Um, and oh, by the way, for those of you asking, Djokovic is very far ahead at number one, $154 million. He's $27 million ahead of Nadal. 24 million ahead of Roger Federer and he's not done. He's going to be blowing the doors off this uh this this sport in terms of championship wins and career earnings and that's where we go from here. So, tennis is still healthy. You know, if we can get Federer back on the court for Wimbledon, if we can get a, a healthy Nadal now heading into the French Open, you know, it might be one one last year of watching these kind of guys do what they do, but yesterday was pretty damn great. I mean, you talk about a comeback in terms of the Bengals. That Nadal comeback, if you were up early to watch it, was something to watch. All right, let's get to some football. I'm going to start with the two teams that did win yesterday. And my my quote, my motto for this third hit is, that, well, that certainly worked. Because that's what I think about when I think about these Rams now. Um, it's very rare that NFL teams aggressively construct a roster as quickly and, and with as much variety as the Rams have. But this is not new. They did this with a lot of the positions. Uh, traded away Gurley, traded away Cooks quickly, got rid of Goff for Stafford in a blockbuster trade. I don't know how you can say it anywhere else. You know, snagged Jalen Ramsey when the time was right to do that, but overpaid for him to do it in terms of trade and of contract. There's, a, there's just a lot of money, a lot of moving parts, and they are not afraid to go all over the board for this. So here's what I did. I took the, the 24 starters, okay, 11 offense, 11 defense, two special teamers. And I just wanted to see how these guys got here. How do they get to the Rams? How do they get to the Bengals? 
And was there a stark difference in how these teams are constructed in terms of the notable players? The only real difference is that the Bengals drafted a couple extra guys and the, and the Rams traded for those players. That's it. It's pretty damn close otherwise. The Rams have two UDFAs in terms of those notable starters, and the Bengals have one. They're center. <laughs> okay. In terms of the draft, it's 15 of those 29 are, are, excuse me, 24 players were drafted. And if we talk about the offensive weapons, Burrow was a first, Chase was a first, Mixon was a second, Higgins was a second, Boyd was a second, and the left tackle was a first. I mean, that'll do. If you can hit on those with those kind of draft picks, that's how you start to build for multiple years, not just for this is a one and done situation. Now, look, the AFC is a monster. So there's a chance they never get back here. But that's a good start. Homegrown, top draft picks hitting this quickly. That's a good start. The rest of it is a mishmash. And rightfully so. You know, rightfully so. They've got a couple of third round picks, defensively speaking, that have done well. You know, a couple of line linebackers, one of the defensive line men. Certainly the big acquisition was Trey Hendrickson, who, who was a, a free agent signing, the big free agent signing this offseason. And almost all of their secondary outside of Jesse Bates was acquired via free agency. So Bates gets the contract this offseason, no question about that, at least the franchise tag to boot. The only trade they made was B.J. Hill on, on almost nothing move to drop him in the middle of the defensive line. That's the only notable trade piece that was added to this roster in terms of starters. And then the big one, and it's, it's, it's noteworthy, in 2009, they drafted a punter in the fifth round, Kevin Huber. He's been there since, including yesterday. And this past year, they drafted a kicker in the fifth round, Evan McPherson. And certainly we know what he's done for this team. So saying it's, uh, it's incorrect or, or reckless to draft fifth round five, six, seven in terms of the special teams, I'm not sure we can say that anymore. There's too many examples of teams that have done this having success when they maybe shouldn't have it. Uh, it's, just, it's just too important. You can say three points isn't as much as six, and the NBA will say that all day. Shoot the three instead of going to the paint all day. The analytics say do it all day. But how many times, especially this time of year, has three mattered? Look at the, the difference between just these games we had over the past two weekends. I believe Mike Greenberg tweeted this, and I, I hope I, I, have the, I don't have it in front of me. I believe the combined scores, the differences between the games combined, was 21 points. That's insane. All right. So don't tell me three doesn't matter because when games are this tight and the weather's iffy and, you know, everybody's nervous and, and they're specific, uh, specifically trying to take away those big shots, those big time touchdowns, you're going to get stuffed. You're going to get three and outs and you're going to need three points and better to have a guy who is who you overpaid for in terms of draft capital than not, in my opinion. So they are a, a poster child team for that situation right now going forward. All right, the Rams. I said, like I mentioned, the Bengals drafted 15 of these players, acquired seven via free agency, one trade, one UDFA. The Rams, 11 drafted players, seven free agency, four trades, two, D, two UDFAs. But it's the trades we have to talk about, of course. Uh, Matthew Stafford, two firsts and a third. Jalen Ramsey, two firsts. Uh, Von Miller, a mid-round pick. And basically no cash. That one was basically free. Really nice. Um, 
excuse me, that's a second round pick and a third round pick going to Denver for Von Miller at very little cash. So that was the trade-off in terms of that compensation. We'll get to these draft picks in a second. Um, you know, Sony Michelle for a fourth and a sixth. People don't remember how much they had to give up for just for that. And now he's a bit of a complimentary player with Acres back. Uh, you know, it, it's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And it certainly worked out. Wasn't the prettiest situation. I'm not sure that was the prettiest game of the of the weekend by any means. But it's rare to go all in with that kind of aggressiveness and get to exactly where you expect to be. It's just rare. There's a lot of uh, factors that can knock you off course. And, you know, they had a struggle through the middle of that season. Stafford looked really bad. I think he was pretty banged up. A lot of that roster might have been banged up. You know, you got an infusion of energy with that Von Miller trade. And the Beckham signing, by the way, which was, you know, no longer free. Let's put it that way. What used to be 1.75 million is now 3.5 million in terms of his playoff bonuses. And he can get another 500,000 with a Super Bowl win. Excuse me, a million with a win, 500,000 with a loss if he's playing. So there's, there's more bank in, uh, in Beckham's, Beckham's truck here if they can get this thing done. But you get an offensive infusion and a defensive infusion with Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. That's not a bad October. Okay, that's not a bad way to do business. So they continue to put their foot down on the pedal. They had a huge offseason, obviously. Literally a year to the date yesterday was when it was announced that Stafford was going to be leaving Detroit for, for the Rams. It didn't become official, of course, until March 17th. But this is when we all kind of knew what was going on. And then Michelle in the middle of the year, Miller in the middle of the year, Beckham later after waivers. Just a lot, a lot of juice coming throughout this season for a long season. And by the way, you know, we talk about this a lot with baseball and with hockey, um, just how important those deadlines and what used to be those August waivers deadlines in baseball are not just to cover up injuries or, or replace some holes or, you know, try to get an extra bat on the bench for, for those postseason runs. But a lot of the times it, it is just shaking things up a bit. Uh, 17, 18 weeks here in the NFL, this is no longer a an in-and-out situation. Let's just have a fun winter together. I, I have to imagine that most of these players uh, felt it, felt the grind, you know, and I, I realize it's one extra week. It was already a damaging sport, <laughs> all right? And I, I bet, you know, dropping Von Miller on this roster at the end of October, getting Beckham in the locker room with all the buzz that brought just naturally uh, about a month later, that had to really help reinvigorate this this roster. So it's not for nothing. Yes, those guys are monster players and they can contribute in big ways down the stretch here. But there's something to be said about not being complacent. There really is. And I truly believe that a lot with baseball in August. It, it sometimes just make the trade to make the trade. Shake it up. You've got to, you're in the dog days of August, you know? And there's a lot of complacency that can set in. And that's really bad for a roster that has expect, expectations, which certainly the Rams brought on to themselves. So I think they did everything right. Everything right from the Stafford move straight through. And uh, whether they can get this to the finish line, we'll see. But two very, very different teams because of the trade vice. And I wonder if this becomes a thing now. You know, will there be a team out there that knows that they're this piece away? The 49ers kind of did this through a different channel. So they knew that Garoppolo wasn't going to be their long-term future. They knew that he had a, an expiration date with them. And I believe we saw it last night. So they went big, huge, splashy blockbuster through the draft. 
Gave up two picks to move up, got their guy, sat him on the bench, used him sparingly in like a wildcat formation here and there. And that was that. The Trey Lance era appears to be here. That is the big offseason move for the 49ers, in my opinion. Uh, whether or not they can get some trade compensation for Jimmy Garoppolo remains to be seen. I believe that they probably can because if Russell's not traded, if Rodgers isn't traded, if Deshaun Watson has more legal issues in February and can't be traded yet or, or shouldn't be traded yet, you know, if Kirk Cousins is not high on people's list right now, if Gardner Minshew is not allowed to be traded out of Philadelphia yet, there's a lot of what ifs sitting out there, you know, in the free agent market, the open available guys, the Bridgewaters and whatnot. It's just not as attractive as, as I think people want them to be, Jameis Winston. So, you know, there's just too many teams that need something to the point of where I believe Garoppolo can be, you know, had for a mid-round pick at this point, maybe a third. Is that crazy <laughs> for one year, 20 million of Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, it might be. But that's to me, that's what we're looking at next is what happens now with this Garoppolo situation. Where does he wind up? Is he an heir apparent to Brady <laughs> in Tampa Bay who very well may need a veteran quarterback to come in and stabilize a roster that is sort of going through turnover, but they do have a lot of pieces that they just paid that can kind of hold the fort down, especially defensively speaking. So um, it's one year, 25.5 million for Garoppolo right now. And whether they trade or release him, they're going to free up that 25 million. So it's a ton of savings for the 49ers who certainly need it to get guys like Debo Samuel back in the fold, extend Nick Bosa, things like that. But they already did their aggressive move at this position. They didn't have to do it kind of seamlessly like the, like the uh, Rams and Lions did. They prepared for this. Uh, they've done this before in the past. Now they're doing it here. And whether or not Trey Lance has the goods depends, you know, that's that's the leading question in terms of can this roster and this franchise stay as in contention as they are right now? Because Garoppolo's had them there basically twice in the last five years right here knocking on the door. And, you know, that's a lot of coaching. It's a lot of defense. It's a lot of versatility on that offensive scheme. You would think with a more dynamic quarterback, they could become even more dangerous. But that's that question mark. So is Garoppolo tradable? I'm, I'm not here to tell you one way or the other because I do think there'll be enough interest to, to throw a mid-round draft pick out there for that contract. You redo that contract. None of it's guaranteed. One for 25 and a half. None of it's guaranteed. So you redo that sucker into three years, maybe spread the cap out a little bit, make yourself, make them nice and cheap for you year one. And, uh, you know, maybe guarantee two years, maybe a year and a half, nothing crazy. He's just, you know, he's, he's made, made some good coin in San Francisco and he's looking for another starting gig. That's it for him. That's it. You know, maybe he's a stopgap in Pittsburgh. That seems a little bit too rich for what they generally do, but I think Tampa's a real possibility if Brady retires a real possibility because I think there's a similar mindset in terms of how they played their games. Certainly not the talent, but uh, I think it's a real possibility for sure. Um, like I said, Debo Samuel extension's coming. He, he, he projects to 18 million mathematically. He's worth way more, way more. Uh, he's one of these uh, hybrid guys that I can't really put, I can't plug into a calculator and say, look, this guy does this, 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 and this, and that's why he's worth this. Well, he also does this, 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 and this. So in, in, unless I can, you know, recreate our algorithm to, to, to have this hybrid kind of model, which eventually we're going to have to do if these guys keep popping out of the woodworks, I can start you at 18 million, but I, I'm telling you, he's going to be worth more. I'm telling you because he's going to have to get running back pay, wide receiver pay, just uh, 
a plethora of, of offensive weaponry. He's going to be a $20 million contract. At least he should be, in my opinion, without even trying that hard, especially when you have a young quarterback contract now, by the way. Always helps the weapons get paid a little, a little bit extra when the quarterback's cheap. Nick Bosa, the injuries stink, and they pull his value down. Um, he's a $20 million guy right now because of those injuries, because of the, the, the slow start to his career. But he's really come on. He's everything you want him to be uh, at the number two overall. He's got the good heritage. He's, he's got leadership qualities on that, on that defensive line. They're going to lose a couple of these other guys either this offseason or next offseason. So he's going to be relied on more and more. And his ceiling is huge. It's massive. So you got to put him up there with his brother at 27, Miles Garrett at 25, even though from a mathematical standpoint, he's not there yet. But you just know where the potential, where the ceiling lies. You got to go there for him. You got to go big on him, keep him in house. Um, potential out, Steve Ford. Obviously, the injury stuff has been awful. Uh, he does have an injury guarantee on a bonus for next April. So he just needs to pass a physical, and the, and the 49ers can skirt around that. And they can free up about $2 million in cap. There was a big restructure on this sucker to kind of deal with his injury because the injury guarantees were basically vesting without the 49ers being able to do anything about it. So like I said, they can skirt around that next April and uh, get out of this thing, and they probably will just the uh, just that even if they bring him back on another contract and, and kind of hope he gets healthy in front of their eyes, got to get out of this current contract as it currently stands. Outside of that, they're in pretty damn good shape, contractually speaking. It's a young roster. There's a lot of rookie contracts. There's a lot of nice veteran contracts. They need some secondary upgrades. They know that. Uh, they've got some cap to deal with here. They're, they're low right now, but again, moving on from Garoppolo frees up 25 and change. So you want to go high in the draft. They've got a second-round pick a third round pick, a fourth, a fifth, and a bunch of lates with comps, late seventh round comps. So I think you load up depth all over this roster. Um, you know, another wide receiver for sure, a couple of offensive linemen, and then just destroy that secondary with as much depth as possible this offseason. So let's flip the switch here to those Chiefs. I'm not going to talk about how they choked. I'm not going to talk about the bust. They got outplayed in that second half. They got outcoached in that second half. No question in my mind. Bengals are where they are because they worked hard to get there. I love that kind of story. I'm never going to knock it. And I'm not going to crap on the Chiefs for it either. I think they just got, they were standing in front of a train and Joe Burrow was driving that sucker. So uh, kudos to Cincinnati. And let's talk about where the Chiefs stand now. It's kind of ugly, but it doesn't have to be. I think they might move on from Frank Clark. I like the player a lot. I just don't think he's worth the buck right now. Again, that's a that's a release and bring him back candidate. I think you gotta gotta get out of this contract. Um, if you do it post June first, you can free up nearly twenty million, which certainly you want to do. And I'd put Anthony Hitches Hitchens, that inside linebacker, in the same boat. Um, you can free up eight and a half million moving on from him. To me, Nick Bolton's going to be the guy there. You're going to be going to put more weight on his shoulders next year. That's a steal of a draft pick there. And uh, you go find yourself another inside linebacker, maybe close to the minimum, some, a veteran with some veteran experience. It's the extensions, though, we have to talk about here. Speaking of first-round picks that were given up here, right? Orlando Brown Jr., the left tackle, they gave up a first, a third, and a fourth to bring him in. He's a franchise tag candidate, but that's going to be expensive. You know, $16.5 million cap cash right out of the gate here. So you want to get something done. He projects to five for 90, basically Trent Williams' contract. With what you gave up compensation-wise in that trade, I don't know how you don't go top of the market. Uh, you just have to do it. So he's probably a $20, 23 to $24 million left tackle. 
before this offseason is done. And then uh, pending free agent Tyron Matthew, you know, had some struggles, had some injury issues, a little bit of COVID, I believe. Still a monster back there. Still smarter than a lot of those wide receivers. Still, still jumping routes. Still a big fo- focal point in the running game. Um, it's going to want $16 million. That's what Harrison Smith just got at 31 years old, and Tyron's only 29. So he's going to want a big boy contract. I'm not sure this one gets done, unfortunately. I think he's going to outprice this roster. Uh, he probably hits the market, and some of these other teams that need secondaries, like the 49ers, um, could very, very well overpay for him and front load a contract that the Chiefs simply can't match. So I, I think it's a, a bit of a long shot that he returns unless he takes a little bit less or they figure out some structure that can make it work. But that would be a big loss. That's a big loss for Kansas City, who's got Daniel Sorensen on their side of him, which we all know his deficiencies. And the last one for cap purposes, Tyreek Hill is entering a contract year in 2022. He's got a $20 million cap hit. That's too much to bear right now. Uh, you push him out to $22 million a year minimum, uh, maybe something that maybe you're taking a look at what the Stefan Diggs gets from the Bills, and you go slightly above that. So $23, 24000000 million maybe you know, two and a half years fully guaranteed. They had to be really careful with this last contract because of his off the field issues. And they built in some really strict payment dates and guarantee vests for roster bonuses and things like that. I'm not sure they feel like they need to do that anymore. Ty- that's kind of a thing of the past for Tyreek, who's been all about football in terms of his storylines and his headlines. So this one could be a little bit simpler, I think. Let's just push it out, lower the cap hit for 2022, keep you on the roster, keep our quarterback happy and go from there. So I do think that's something that gets done this offseason as well. Some question marks. They might lose some guys this offseason. But uh, for for the most part, what you saw this year from the Chiefs should be running it back next year. All right, our NFL offseason series continues with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Third will be joined by Greg Amon, the athletic Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat. Greg, thanks so much for joining the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. You bet. Big off season for this team. This was not one I saw coming. I've been doing, you know, way too much work on all 32 of these rosters. And this one snuck up on me, especially now with the quarterback situation. And I, and we have to start there. I don't generally like to start with the most <laughs> interesting topic, but you have to because everything else that happens behind it is going to is going to stem off of this quarterback decision. Right. So if Brady's back, I think there's a lot. You know, it looks a lot like it looked last year, last offseason. But if you have to consider Kyle Trask or my God, Carson Wentz or some of these other options, and, and I say that, uh, you know, literally speaking, uh, it's going to be a different ball game. Am I incorrect in that? In- no, absolutely. He, he is the first and the biggest domino. This isn't one of those where there's a little domino that leads to big dominoes. This is a really, really big domino that impacts everything from coaching to cap room to honestly, the decisions on a lot of these free agents. I mean, I think, a lot of those guys were here before Tom Brady, but I think some of the allure of of being here and staying here and especially maybe taking less than full market to stay here is that you get Tom Brady and, and right away you feel like you have a chance at a championship. And unless they figure out plan B really fast, I don't think that'll be the case. Right. I, I imagine you've done tons of work on this already. Is it going to be Kyle Trask's team or are they going to look at one of these veterans? Because there are you know, some not so attractive, but certainly pliable options. And you have to think in terms of Bruce Arians here too, right? He's not going to bring in Marcus Mariota and, and try to make a, you know, a, a versatile quarterback out, out of Mariota at his size. He likes big, durable options. And unfortunately, there's a couple of those out there that I don't think, I don't think the fans are going to like too much, Greg. 
Yeah, there's not there's not an obvious. Um, you know, it's like you look at at what their options would be. I don't know that they're ready for Trask yet either. Um, it's right. funny, and that like the rhetoric here has been that like oh they'd be very comfortable with Lane Gabbard as the backup, which I think is the polite and kind thing to say when he's been a loyal backup for three years he's been here. But I, I don't know that that's something you can sell free agents on is, hey, look, we, we know Blaine's been waiting in the wings. We think he has a good chance. We think we can win with him. I don't know if that sells. That's a tough one there. Um, just because Blaine Gabbard hasn't had a success of winning, hasn't played meaningful football in, in four years. Um, so that's a tough one. And Trask, honestly, I, I had really thought they would at least dress him as the third quarterback late in the year just to throw him a bone. Um, but I, I think he was taken with every intention of not playing this year. So the fact that he didn't isn't um, isn't a damning thing. I don't think they know enough about Kyle Trask to know whether or not he could take over right now or not. Um, he just hasn't had meaningful reps at any point in his time with the Bucks. All right. So, you know, I threw Carson Wentz out there. I realize that's not going to be popular. Are there other names that you've been kind of doing some work on at, at this point of the stage? No, I mean, it's one of those where, I mean, if you look at, if you look at Bruce and when he went to Arizona, um, Carson Palmer was, you know, I mean, Carson Palmer was older, wasn't coveted by the team that had him. Um, they got him for basically a pick swap. Yeah. So it, it can be, that reminds me that it can be somebody outside the box, somebody we don't associate with, you know, it doesn't have to be the Brady Rivers top of the best, the most experienced guy available. Um, but no, there really isn't. And I still right now feel like it's much more likely that Brady is back. Um, so it, it's that weird thing where you almost feel, uh, it's like to, to, if I did a full story on like, Hey, what the plan B options are for the box that, that almost feels like you're, you know, like trouncing on the grave of, of someone has died yet, you know, that, that Brady, <laughs> Brady's taking his time with this. But I still feel like it, it's funny, like Vegas headlines. And it's not like the bookmakers always know what's going to happen. But I think Vegas was offering like seven to one on a no bet for Tom Brady being their week on their roster week one. Hmm. So, like, if you really thought that was possible, you can get seven to one. This isn't just like, you know, three to one, two and a half to one or something. It, it still feels very likely that after a month or so to talk with his family and make sure he has his kids blessings and his wife's blessing that he's back for another year just because he's healthy because he's playing at a high level. And I don't know that that's the way you want to go out is rallying from 24 down to tie a game and lose in the final minute. All right. Fair enough. Let's just assume that it's easier for this conversation right now. And it, if it doesn't, <laughs> right. if that isn't the case, we'll have you back and we'll, we'll have some fun with some armchair <laughs> right. quarterback stuff, but uh, all right, Tom Brady's back. That probably means good things for a couple of these free agents, but, but it's a big list. I mean, Let's start with the wep- with the weapons, right? There's basically no running backs outside of the uh, outside of the kid Vaughn, who I think has some potential, but that's not going to be enough to hold down the fort. And I can say the same thing about the wide receiver position with Mike Evans. And oh, by the way, he probably needs a new contract this offseason too. Once he sees what Godwin gets, um, right? Who's coming back in terms of the weapons? You know, OJ Howard's an absolute no. Gronk is probably a no at this point. But who's coming back? Yeah, like you said, after Evans, it, it's desolate. Um, I think if Fournette doesn't need like full market value, I mean, you'll see. I think you guys had him at two and twelve. I think PFF had him as like two and sixteen. Um, and I, I don't know that he would get. If if the Bucks paid him more than five a year, I would be surprised. I, I think he does everything they want him to do. I just it's not a position they've really spent a lot of money on in the past. Uh, Ronald Jones is almost completely certainly gone. Um, they really didn't use him 
much at all this year, like a guy that almost had a thousand yards. So I think he'll just want a fresh start somewhere. He can compete to be a starter. And and if it's just a one-year deal for him somewhere else, that's fine. Uh, Bernard is a free agent. If you count Le'Veon Bell among their free agents, he's a free agent. Uh, OJ Howard is almost certainly gone. Um, Perriman, I guess, is a guy they could bring back on the cheap. Um, so God, Godwin is the the huge biggest question mark. And I, I think even with the, the surgery, with the major injury he's dealing with, I still think they want him back, and I think they'll pay to keep him. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, regardless who the quarterback is, I think you have to have at least a couple of options. I agree with you on Fournette. Uh, when he came out of our calculator, uh, $6 million a year seemed fine for a free agent contract. But if you're keeping him right. in-house, I think you can get him for less, and he should be happy to stay because his career is right. on a better trajectory where he is right now. So I agree well, with that. And, and if he I, – I feel like what he saw this year that he didn't have a year ago is the commitment from the team to use him in a way that would – uh, increase his marketability a year from now, if you will. So he, even, I mean, like this year, he's one and, and I think three, two, five is what he got. Again, if he goes back to one and four with assurances that, hey, you're going to be uh, a 70% snap guy, like we're going to use you a lot, not not Jacksonville, don't come off the field 90% snaps, but we'll, we'll make you a feature back. And then I think that if he knows Brady's back, I think that's a good situation for him to market himself. And if a year from now he decides he can get three and 20 somewhere or something like that, you know, run with it. Agreed. Yep. Again, we're, we're, we're projecting that Brady's back and I think that helps for net in the long run as well. So, all right, let's move to the defense. It's big. There's a lot of, a lot of carnage <laughs> that could happen here. You know, let's start with Carlton Davis. I think you've said it. I've said it as well. He's a prime franchise tag candidate, but that's not very friendly in terms of what this cap situation looks like because it's almost right. an $18 million tag. Is he just too good to let walk though? Do you have to tag him and deal with it right now? I think so. I mean, I just think he, I think he, I think they trust him immensely. And I think when he was out in the small spurts that he's been out, they've, they've really shown it. So you can sit there and say they have Dean and Murphy bunting. Um, you could draft a corner and move on. Cause again, 17 million goes a long way on this team, but no, I, I think, um, I think they know that if he left, he would get probably more than that. So it has a little bit of a feel like Godwin right now, where if you tagged him, you're actually still getting a good deal at 17 million. Um, that, that's what I think right now. It, it would be hard. Uh, I, I don't know that he would want to go long-term at what they can afford to pay him right now. Like he can't be a, a $20 million corner for them. I think given where they are cap wise, but, but like I said, for him to get, if he gets, uh, I mean, it's like Godwin, if he gets 17 million this year, he's like tripling his career income in one year. So you have to like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a position that's worth paying or worth allocating that kind of cash to for a one-year term and then see what you have next year. Does that mean Jordan Whitehead walks? Because this guy really took steps forward this past couple of weeks. Yeah, Jordan Whitehead will be a much better value than than Carlton Davis will be. Um, if he's like 3-18 and 18 or something as a safety, I, I think he's a great value there. Um, and I can't really tell. At first, I would tell you that I think he, like, I feel like safety is a great position to be in Todd Gold's defense because he's a former safety. He uses his safeties as weapons, and they're versatile guys. So, but then again, like Whitehead was kind of grousing because Whitehead wasn't on the field that last two plays where the Rams got 64 yards and then a field goal and one. Mm. And Whitehead was kind of public and saying should have been out there on, you know, in crunch time. So I don't know. Does that make him more likely to want to go somewhere else where he can A, get more money and B, be in every, no, he's in every down safety. I don't know about that one, but I think Whitehead would be a smart keep for them. I think he's great run support, the absolute, you know, hitter of this secondary right now. Um, again, it, it, 
safety is a lot like corner for the Bucks because if they have three great, not three great, they have three corners they like, they have three safeties they like. So if you let one go, you still have two. But you know, Edwards is going to be a free agent next year. Whitehead's going to need to, or not Whitehead. Winfield's going to need a contract. So I, I, it would be smart for them if they can get Whitehead to stay in that five to six million dollar range to to keep him there. Okay, fair enough. Let, let's tangent off here because you mentioned Todd Bowles. Um, how many coaches are are we losing here off this roster? Because yeah, I mean, he, that's a big impact to what happens this off season from a player standpoint as well, too, right? Yeah, we, we talked about how. There's four huge questions before you even get to free agency. And is Arians back? Is Brady back? And then do you lose Bowles and or Leftwich? Right. And again, like three days ago, it looked like Leftwich was a lock for Jacksonville. I still think that probably happens, but it's, it's kind of been a weird limbo there. Bowles just interviewed in Vegas. Some of the jobs that he was with, uh, Bears obviously are now, you know, that's off the board. But Vikings, you know, we're still involved there. Uh, so yeah, that, that's another one where it's, it's huge if they keep him. Um, you know, you got a you know three million dollar a year defensive coordinator who's you know been a big part of of everything Bruce has done here. Uh, but I don't know, and I don't. If he's not there, you wonder if just the uncertainty of a new defense, a new system, even if they promote from within, might be a reason for some of these solid, proven starter defensive guys to sign somewhere else, including wherever Bowles goes or wherever Leftwich goes for the offensive guys. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um... The offensive line is going to be an issue to some degree, right? Alex Kappa is going to be yep. over, probably overpriced for this roster. Ryan Jensen's 30. I'm not sure you can go 9, 10 a year on Ryan Jensen right now. But look, that's that's Brady again. If Brady wants these guys back, you got to do it, right? Yeah. To, to me, if Tom Brady is on the fence at all about coming back at 45, you can't go, how's about you break in a new center in year 23? <laughs> let's, let's create some uncertainty on every snap. So I, I think if Brady's back, I, I do think you have to pay. I mean, you'll have people that will say Ryan Jensen's the best center in the NFL right now. So, I mean, if he was getting $10.5 million on his last deal, yeah. he's 30, but he's not 34. So I think he would still get that in the open market. So now, you know, if you give him – if he come back for 2-20, and 20, I mean, that's – if you get a new quarterback, you can probably rotate in a new center, and he'll never know that Jensen isn't there, and, and you can have that. But if Brady's back, I think you have to bring him back. And as a result, like you said, I don't think you can afford to keep – Kappa, I'm not sure that Kappa gets more than six, seven a year on the open market as a guard, but I think that's where you probably just like plug Hainsey in or plug Aaron Stinney back as a, an inexpensive backup uh, who can step into a starting role and, and set himself up for a big deal a year from now. Yep, I agree with that. I, I keep thinking about this uh, because there really, it does seem like there's some uncertainty and I, and I keep going back to it. Yeah. This division's terrible. Right. And, and the Saints, you know, maybe just put another dart into their backside in, in terms of the coaching position and what that means and, and just how much they really will want to push this offseason. Right. Is this an easy division to win, regardless of, uh, of how this roster yeah, somebody, is constructed? Can, can, you, can you lose two or three pieces this time around and still get to the, the promised land? Right. I mean, they, they won three more games than anybody else in the division, and that division just lost Sean Payton, has quarterback uncertainty. Yeah. I don't know if they'll do quite all the amazing cap wizardry to push the can down the road if it's not with the sense that they have a winner this year and if they don't have a coach that they would want to go all in on in, in 22. So, yeah, I think even without Brady, if they just you know kind of duct tape things together with the existing core they have, they would be right there in the thick of things for this division. 
and, and that might be enough to keep some of the free agents and, and you know to see an opportunity here because again there's there's only so much upward trajectory with Carolina not knowing who its quarterback is with Atlanta trying to figure out if they can offset Ryan but not yeah. knowing much beyond that yeah that's right uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks, but I think the, the division as a whole has way more question marks than this roster does. Right. Um, you know, no Brady may, might just mean bring back Fournette and kind of run the offense through him specifically just to get uh, yeah. maybe one or two years out of him in terms of his legs and his motor. So, yeah, I, I like the way this is going. Uh, you know, the cap stuff doesn't scare me too much. They they are not a big dead cap team, never have been. I, I'm sure you appreciate how they structure their deals. It's one of the uh, cleaner <laughs> rosters out there. Right. Uh, they had to go void years like everybody else this offseason, and they're going to they're gonna take on some of that this year. But it, it's, a, it's a probably pretty good team to follow right now, right? Because there is some movement. Obviously, the Brady yeah. stuff is all world. But um, any other question marks kind of hanging over this franchise that aren't being maybe publicized too much but uh, are getting drowned yeah, with I the mean, Brady stuff? I mean, defensive line, they're old on the defensive line. We didn't really touch much there. Right. But, I mean, Sue's 35. Golston's a free agent at 30. Steve McClendon is 36. Um, so they really need a, a dose of, of young talent there. I mean, I think that's that's the logical place for their first round pick. Um, you know, you'll see Vita Vea probably playing a higher level of snaps next year as a result. Um, you know, Sue's played well, so it's, it's not like Sue Sue's kind of like a defensive Brady right now, and that he's at an age where he should be retiring, but his numbers aren't really deteriorating. He's had six sacks each of the last two years, played ten percent more snaps per game than Vita Vea did ten years younger. So I, I think. Uh, I think defensive line is an absolute pivotal position for them to address and just get, I mean, right now they don't really have a regular younger than 28 except for Vea and that's it. Um, so special teams, I think could see a lot of change. They got, there's not many places they can really save cap money, right. but Ryan suck up and Bradley Pinion count 6.9 million against the cap next year. And they're, they're not playing at that level. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the only bubble candidate I have right now for them is a bad one. It's Cameron Brait, just because there's six million to be saved or so, but he's one of the only yeah, and on that, this honestly, <laughs> Yeah, and when Brait, that's one of those where I haven't seen the contract, but when Brait took a pay cut last year, it, it was understood on both sides there would be a new deal. So I think there's no expectation of him playing at 6'8 or whatever that deal is. Yeah. He'll, if he plays, I think he'll be very comfortable doing it. He's taken a pay cut each of the last two years. I think he was at three this year, and I think he's okay to do that. I think he likes where he is, loves Tampa. He basically plays in her career here um, and is okay with that. So don't don't think of him as counting 6-8 toward the, the cap. He'll be, he'll be probably three if things go right. All right. It, it's a pretty simple uh, plan once you put it, lay it out like you have for us, Craig. It's, uh, but I, I'm interested to see what happens with the quarterback position as everybody is. And, uh, right. I have to imagine and again, a plan every, in place. Yeah. Yeah. And and everything we've said has a big if at the start with Brady coming back. So if he if he goes, all of a sudden, maybe you're having to pay more to keep guys, maybe you're just outright losing guys. And it's probably more of a entirely different team next year uh, than what we could have if they just kind of bring back eighty five percent of the roster and try it one more time. Bruce Arians is definitely locked in for twenty twenty two in your opinion. He said, it's like he had said it, I asked him after the game, and he was kind of dismissive, like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was curious because obviously health played a part in his first retirement. Right. He's dealt with a, an Achilles injury this year. He had COVID. Um, I felt like a big part of why he came back to Tampa was having like an ideal bring the band back together group of assistants. So if he doesn't have Bulls, if he doesn't have Leftwich, if they each raid his positional guys, 
for their coordinators, you worry that it'd be like, wow, this is this doesn't remind me of the team I had last year. He's at an age where he needs to be able to delegate and be a CEO head coach. And he would just have to trust younger guys in much bigger roles. But I think he'll be back. Appreciate your time, Greg. You can find him on The Athletic following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all the time. Thanks again, man. Have a good one. All right. He's at Greg Amon on Twitter. Again, he's at The Athletic. And visit theathletic.com slash Spotrek for 40% off your first year subscription today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotrek Podcast. Thank you.